Welcome back to the Black Letter Podcast. We set out to create an entertaining and exciting podcast about law and business. Black Letter, the name, comes from the Gothic typeset. Over time, Black Letter became the only font that English law books were printed in. It made it harder for kind of the common person to understand what the English law books said. Black Letter came to represent something that was law, that was set in stone, that was sort of old and a well-settled fundamental principle of law. We're here to demystify black letter law. We're here to demystify things that happen in business and law and where those two meet. And I hope you have fun listening. Hi, this is Tom Dunlap. Welcome back to another episode of Black Letter Podcast. This is one of our longer episodes again. And with me live uh, here by video, I've got Jason Levin, the author of a book about, not about networking. I'm not going to say that. I'm going to let Jason (laughs) tell you about his book. Uh, and I actually read this book before our show and was really intrigued by it. And I will tell you all listeners that I'm going to make an Excel spreadsheet when we get done with the show today. And you'll learn more why in a second. Well, welcome to the show, Jason. So tell us a little bit about your book and about yourself and about your company. I know you're on the a board with our, my chief marketing officer of the legal LMA. can't remember legal what that marketing stands for. Association. Legal Marketing Association, which kind of helps uh, promote marketing and networking of marketing between people at uh, law firms. Uh, So tell us a little bit about that, and I'll let you talk instead of me. Tom, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here. For the last 11 years, I've been a speaker, trainer, and coach, where I have helped uh, attorneys, law firms, uh, folks in professional services uh, lean into uh, their business development activities, as well as make intentional uh, career moves. Uh, originally from the great state of New Jersey. Uh, so I value a good bagel, good Chinese food, and a good slice of pizza. When I think about the book and why I wrote Relationships to Infinity, the Art and Science of Keeping in Touch, we say keep in touch, and yet we struggle to do so. And so this is something that I've been wanting to do for a long time. I wrote the book during the pandemic because I saw that we all turned into wilted flowers. And right. I was asking myself, well, why? Uh, and in reality, as human beings, we need connection. We need that human connection. What I'm excited about with the book is a couple of things that I've you know, held near and dear to my heart. One, keeping in touch is an aspiration. Uh, it is not something that you say. It's something that you try to do every day. Uh, second, when we think about networks, I wanted to bring to the universe all the academic research that exists around network theory. We use the word network, we use the word networking, and yet we don't know where that comes from. And so for me, I thought it was really important to bring that academic research uh, into things. Uh, And then finally, what's the social science around what goes on in our heads, why we can't keep in touch? You know, what are those uh, different types of barriers? And, you know, you had mentioned uh, the Legal Marketing Association and what's brought us together. You know, one of the things that I love about the association world in general is that it builds community. Uh, And so actually during the pandemic, for me, one of my great outlets was being active in an association that I thought was important uh, and working with other legal marketers to figure out within their firms, well, how can we support our firms and how can we support our attorneys and practice groups, Uh, get through these types of things. So, yeah, so that's a little bit about me and, uh, you know, the book and why I wrote it. 
So a couple questions. So first, I don't know if you know, I was born in New Jersey myself. Um, I would not say that I'm from New Jersey because I left when I was five, but I'm familiar with it. I lived in Hoboken after college as well. But setting aside New Jersey for a second. So I did notice also that you used to be at Anderson Consulting. Yes. Random question. My brother was there uh, in, oh God, let's see, the early 2000s, I think. It was probably 2005, six, seven around there. It was a bearing point, I guess, when they got acquired and then KPMG. So you didn't happen to be in the DC Anderson Consulting or were you a different one? No, I was just uh, I was I was I was New York based um, oh, okay. Anderson Consulting. But the one thing that you and I have in common, Tom, uh, uh, is the United Way of the National Capital Area. Ah, so, so you were in, okay. So and actually at the same time, so we have actually folks in common. So I was actually on the over. So uh, for those that don't know, the United Way of the National Capital Area is the United Way for the DC metro area. You have the overall board, and then there are regional counties. Uh, both in Maryland, Virginia, and D.C. You were on Loudoun County, right? I was. Yeah, I was yeah. in the Loudoun rack, as we call it. So right. here we are, Jason. We're engaging in staying in touch or getting in touch or building a relationship, as your book says. And I think we're going to get into that in, in the next section a little bit more. But so tell me background-wise, when you, when you thought about writing this book, when you said you did it during the COVID pandemic, what did your business look like during the COVID pandemic? What did your relationships look like? Um, before you wrote this book? Is it something you were actively doing or did this book inspire you to take your own advice or were you already doing that and just taking what you did and putting it into writing? Yeah, uh, you know, I think for me, this is something that I have been doing my entire life. Uh, And I feel very blessed that keeping in touch with something that was instilled in me by my grandparents and my parents uh, and just the notion that your your friends, your family are really, really important to you. I remember my junior year of college, I had right. uh, these midterms that I had to get through. And, you know, it's the winter time. And my mom's calling me up. She's like, how are your midterms? And I said, well, you know, right now I'm finishing up my holiday cards. She's like, what? You're like, you're not studying? I'm like, well, I'm probably going to get a B in the class, but I want to get these holiday wow. cards out. Uh, so, you know. Can I tell you, I do not know any college student anywhere that I've ever run into any of my friends in college or even in law school that wrote holiday cards until they were full on adults, maybe until after they were married. So, I mean, that's, it's kind of insane that as a college student, you were getting holiday cards out. So congratulations. And wow, you were very kind of mature. Yeah. (laughs) In this field. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny because like in college, I was president of student government uh, I was already, I, I feel very blessed that I had a series of uh, senior level executives that were just schooling me and, okay, wow. here are the things you need to do. Uh, right. And if you're going to take relationships seriously, then you need to put the time in to do it. Um, and so back in you know the mid-90s, it was just an analog world. The email was just coming in. So, but, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, I keep all of my, I mean, you look at my stamps that I have here, celebrate stamps, you know, to celebrate wins, uh, love stamps for the people that are important and close to me, uh, appreciation stamps, thank yous. Like, you know, so for me, this is not something that I'm like, oh, it would be nice to write a book on keeping in touch. This is part of my DNA. And so, and frankly, Tom, my favorite topic, this is my favorite topic, Tom. Excellent. So anything background wise, we want to cover kind of in this intro part, because the next the next time we come back, I want to talk about um, the biggest challenge you faced and maybe 
that's around your book. I really want to dive into the substance of your book. And I told you I'd read it. And actually, I'll ask you background why. So also, you wrote a chapter about LinkedIn. Yes. And I have heard from attorneys, and this is very, we have a lot of uh, attorneys who listen to this because they like, hey, I listen to and I happen to talk to them. For attorneys, I think LinkedIn's really valuable. I think it's more valuable than Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. And I know TikTok's coming up and that's a younger generation thing. But when looking at our client base and who we want to connect with as IP counselor, corporate counselor in the business world, LinkedIn's probably the most important social media platform. Do sure. you talk about using it in a, I have 4,000 plus connections. How many of those connections do I regularly communicate with? Probably like 50, if I'm lucky. Probably most of the attorneys in my firm, it's like 10. So right. how do you change that? How do you leverage that? And you, you talk about it in your book, but I, I'm kind of curious about um, your thoughts on LinkedIn just before we leave this segment that you could share with, um, especially aimed at professional services, because I'm really personally interested in that. And I know we have a lot of people, professional services people. Um, could you talk about that for a couple of seconds? More than happy to. I'm more than happy to talk okay. about my relationship with LinkedIn. LinkedIn started in the summer of 2003. I joined LinkedIn in January of 2004. So I have been on LinkedIn now for 18 years. Uh, wow. And so the, the platform has significantly evolved since I initially joined. When I initially joined, LinkedIn was just about the, the connections, the connections piece. Right. But I think there's two other pieces to LinkedIn that are extremely important, especially for attorneys and raising their profile. Uh, the second is your profile itself and how you fill out your profile and how you, what you add to your profile and having a robust profile around you and who you are as a person and the problems you solve. And then the third piece is what is the content that you're sharing on the platform? And so okay. often when I think about LinkedIn, you know, usually like, oh, tell me about LinkedIn. And then I'll go back to him like, well, tell me about your goals, you know, and so. LinkedIn is the tool, but it, you need to have your own intentions and your own goals. And what do you want to do with the platform? Uh, so for me, when I think about your current connections, what are you doing with LinkedIn to celebrate the wins and the different kinds of things that are going on in your network? So sure. you know, the easy thing to do is do a like and a quick congrats. Well, how about taking it a step further? You say, well, I saw on LinkedIn, you got a promotion. Let's catch up in two or three months after you get integrated into that new role and see how things are going. So one of your in-house counsel people might be joining a new organization and you want to continue on that relationship. I also think about LinkedIn in terms of your own thought leadership, right? You might want to write an article for your firm on a particular topic, whether it be IP or corporate or tax or, you know, you name the uh, the practice area. Well, LinkedIn is a great way to be the megaphone of your own thought leadership. And so these are more activities. It's kind of like brushing your teeth. It's kind of like being able to do these things on a habitual basis. I think too often attorneys get so focused in their head like, oh, everybody knows this. Well, it's kind of like, no, that's your special sauce. That is your gift. And your job is not to internalize that, but rather share that in bite-sized pieces uh, with your community. And dare I say, okay. you can also be, one more thing, you can use LinkedIn to be uh, an ambassador for your firm. So whenever uh, folks in your own practice group or in peer practice groups are doing really great things, 
sharing that with your network and saying, you know, I'm really excited about what my firm did here. Uh, they got a really great win for this client. Look at the news on here. I'm so excited. We've got these folks on Chambers, whatever that looks like. So there's a multitude of ways that attorneys can think about the LinkedIn platform to advance their goals. Gotcha. So I I always repost articles. I know I should probably comment about them. LinkedIn gives you good suggestions. So another question about LinkedIn, my last question before I move on to section two. Because I really, I did, I debate about this. I have debated with others, and you're probably like, "That's a stupid thing to debate about." It's obvious. But the the title that you put, so you put your name, but you say something like, "Do you put attorney, or do you put attorney and business startup counselor, or attorney and scientist, or or none of those?" As an attorney, and you say, "You know, advisor to the world's best companies." Like, what is the I see so many different things that people put, and they're all lawyers. I mean, yes, they're all lawyers. But when you present yourself, do you have any advice or thoughts on that little kind of, I don't know, I don't think it's optional, but the titling of yourself? So I, so, I see people try to be creative with that. So uh, first and foremost, uh, as a member of the Legal Marketing Association, I would always recommend <laughs> that you talk to your top legal marketing executive within your own organization, okay. first and foremost. And whatever they say will be correct because you have brought them in for their expertise. So that's rule number one. Rule number one, Love you have a top legal marketing executive in your own organization. They are right. And I bless and honor what they say. So first and so foremost. So you know Amy is listening, right? You know that Amy, <laughs> my chief art, is listening to this now live. Okay. So got right. it. Checkbox. All right. I'm check. All right. So then the second thing is one of the things that we know about the LinkedIn algorithm is that um, the search engine optimization off of your profile is actually very, very strong. Uh, And so I'm a fan of doing a blend of what's your role and what's your role in that organization as one of those things. But then doing structured SEO Google searches on like, well, who are you know, if I were to do IP attorney or, you know, starting to play around with um, what are the different words uh, that are searched on you, and again, your marketing team can help you figure uh, that out. Very right? smart. I see. Okay. And so, and so I like it. Find, and then integrating. So how do we integrate those words into a phrase that people will understand? But then again, at the end of the day, when a search is going on, on IP attorneys or IP Virginia or whatever that looks like, uh, that your name is going to come up. You know why? Because in search engine optimization, your LinkedIn profile is the first thing that comes off of a Google search, Tom. So, ah, I, so, so you want me to put best IP attorney in the United States. That should be my title. From now well, on, well then, then you get I'm, into ethics laws. Then you get into no, no, ethics laws. And, uh, well, and, best is very subjective. So yeah. best according to to me. No, I'm just well, kidding. Well, I mean, kidding. then you have like Gillette, which is the best the man can get, which you know is a. Uh, uh, anyway, I, I I hear you on the tagline, but uh, my my advice to you is consult your legal marketing executive, and then two, uh, I would do a combination of where you're at, what you do. And then uh, integrate in uh, some keywords that you would do off of a structured SEO analysis. Gotcha. Yeah. Perfect. Awesome. Okay, Jason. Well, thank you for this first segment of our three-part series with you. 
So sure. we know about your background. We have the title of your book. You hold it up again. Happy you have it. I know you have it there. Happy I got it on Kindle. Um, awesome. So I read it on Kindle. And, and folks, it's 106 pages, I think, not super long. So very digestible. Uh, and it has the fields for you to use to make your Excel spreadsheet, which we'll talk about probably in the next episode. So thanks, Jason. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Black Leonard Podcast. We will be back next week, which for Jason and me will be in about two minutes with the next segment of the Black Letter Podcast, where we talk to Jason about a challenge he's overcome and a little bit more detail about, I I suspect, uh, relationship growing. I don't want to say networking because it seems like that's not the word we should use. But anyway, we'll see you next time on the Black Letter Podcast. Download us wherever, get your podcast, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, whatever it is. We'll see you next time. Thanks. That's all for today's episode of Black Letter. Thanks again for listening. Join us next time when we talk about more Black Letter issues in creative ways. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode and check out our website at blackletterstudios.com.